Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 21. Um, this is concluding the, the book of 1 Timothy, the letter of 1 Timothy. And um, so we're, we're going to be starting off here, verse 17. Let's read. And so if you guys would stand up while we read, we'll pray, and then we'll get started, okay? Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, guard what was committed to you, to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. So the message this morning is titled, Kingdom Investing. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word. God, that we would be receptive, ready to hear with open hands, open hearts, open minds. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving in this place. God, that you would do a work in our midst. Lord, we thank you for your good. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you, you love us so much you don't want us to stay in stuff that's hurting us. So God, help us to grow. Help us to... Um, Lord, to, to change where we need to change. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts that are soft, moldable, Lord, that our lives may be um, changed by you. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. So real quick, I always give this little quick recap. First Timothy is written to Timothy, who is a young pastor that's been charged with overseeing the church in Ephesus. Ephesus, a church that's been used to do mighty, amazing things. You can read about this in Acts. Uh, had fallen into some weird stuff, weird teaching. So Paul told Timothy to go there. The Ephesians did not ask for Timothy to come, but Paul sent him. And so a lot of it is Paul encouraging Timothy, reminding him what a pastor is supposed to do, all the charges he's been given, all the stuff he's been equipped with, how he's been had his hands laid on him, how it's been confirmed that he's the real deal, and how he's ready for this. And so Paul gets sent in, or Paul sends Timothy directly into this. And so he's encouraging him. Seems like Timothy's a pretty meek, pretty mellow guy. He's like, Timothy, be strong. Know who you are. Do the calling that you've been called to do. Don't get caught up in all this other stuff, but instead expose it. Speak the truth. Give them the truth. Give them good doctrine. Help them to understand the truth so that they're not confused and deceived by lies that their lives are, are, are robbed and kind of suffocated from all the good things. And so he's been explaining, and this is kind of like his ending here. Uh, he gives a, like final tidbits, exhortations at the end that he wants him to know about. So verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Command those who are rich in this present age. 
It's important to understand, those who are rich in this present age does not necessarily mean that you'll be those who are rich in the age to come. That is to be seen, in a sense, by the way we live our lives here. So those who have been given, given and, uh, um, I guess, entrusted with earthly riches, this is speaking to you. And before you go, finally, a message I don't need to listen to. It's important to understand that we are all in this boat, right? Because the United States is greatly affluent compared to the rest of the world. And California is, you know, it's expensive to live here. You guys so happen to live in San Diego County, North San Diego County, coastal. So, okay. We're, we're there. It's all of us, okay? Uh, so before you can go, oh, this is for those people, you are those people. So those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty. The word haughty means arrogant. So you're not arrogant. What does arrogant mean? You think you did it yourself. You know, one of the crazy things is, is when you realize, it usually takes like a health scare to realize just how not in control you are of your own life. Right? And, and it doesn't take much. One little word, one little thing, everything changes. Everything changes. You know, you can, you can go down everything. It's like uh, it all can hinge and, and flip so quickly. Uh, so the ability to gain wealth, the mind it takes to do it, the body that it takes to receive and enjoy it is, is a gift anyways, right? So don't be arrogant. Part of the, the meaning here in arrogance or haughty is that we think uh, that we're self-made, which is the most dangerous thing we can experience. To think that we're self-contained, self-made, we're good on our own. Uh, we don't have to look too far to find out that's just not the case. Athletes sign multi-hundreds of million dollar deals and they blow it. You go, how? How can you blow it? I want to try. You know, maybe you're like, you can see how it happens, though. It's, it's quick. It can go very quickly, especially if you're not wise with it, especially if you think you're, it, it becomes your identity and you put all of your trust in it. So this is a command to those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. So not to trust in uncertain. The idea there is that they're not as certain as you think they are. As much as you think they're, they've got your stability, they can fail you. So we've got to remember, money can be a great servant, riches can be a great servant, but they are an absolutely terrible master. They cannot be put in the place of God. Remember, when we talk about uh, faith and our, our trust in God, it is really about allegiance. And allegiance says, I will follow this ahead of everything else. It's an ordered thing. So if we start thinking about money in order before God, we're going to find our allegiance is towards riches, not God. And, and the only way that ends is failure. And, and it, maybe it's never financial ruin, but it, it will absolutely equate to failure somewhere in your life. Because you're putting allegiance, faith, trust, too much stock in something that cannot hold it. Remember, Money is not evil. That's, that's, that's not. It's the love of money 
or the obsession with money that can be evil. And so un- unfairly, we kind of can look, read, you know, especially like the Beatitudes, and we go, oh man, it's, it's, it's better to be poor. We should all be poor. Why aren't we all poor? Well, the Bible never tells us that we should be poor, right? And, and, and matter of fact, in this very text, it talks about enjoying and uh, God enjoying what's been richly given us, like the things he's given us. We're to enjoy what he's blessed us with, right? Because you go, okay, I don't want to be obsessed with money any, anymore, so I'm going to give it all away. I'll have no money. I'll tell you, the people who are the most obsessed with money are the people who have no money. It becomes everything, right? And they just go, if I just had money, if I just had money, if I just had money, there's your allegiance problem yet again. So that does not solve the issue. And a lot of this stuff comes up often, especially in earlier church times, uh, was uh, even to some of the pastor's chagrin because it had become such an issue where people started to trust more in money. They had started making more because they were living biblical lifestyles. So their lives were now aligned. Whoa, hey, there's a guitar. Their lives were now aligned with God and what he's asking them to do. They're living self-controlled lives. They're not given to all the vices that are causing all these issues. They're doing things the right way, and God is blessing them. And so he says, okay, the blessing is great until it becomes a curse, when the blessing becomes what you're seeking instead of the blesser. This is, this is that problem. So it's important to understand, don't feel bad if you're like, I've been blessed with money, I must be bad. No, no, it's, it's great. Here's the thing, we're going to get into it in a second. Your job is to steward it well. And so you got to steward it well if you've got little. You've got to steward it well if you have medium. You've got to steward it well if you have a lot. That's all there is to it. That is what this is all about. If you're trusting in money or you're trusting in the hope of money, that's the other part. If we are putting our hope in it too, it's kind of the same thing, right? So command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches, but instead of in, in, in money or uncer- in, not in uncertain riches, in the living God. We put our trust in him, our faith in him, our allegiance is with him. That's, that's who we are banking it all on. And, and boy, is this just such good news for an unstable world, especially unstable financially, right? I mean, think about it. There's, there's so much swirling around right now in the financial world. You know, things are changing, and I'm sure many here are affected by this greatly. And so you're looking around, you're going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Well, this should be a message in a ho- of good news and hope. God is the provider. He is the provider. He's the one that, that makes it all work, makes it all happen. So don't stress. If you're finding yourself too stressed, that means that you're just, you're just we're off. Our, 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 our focus, our gaze is off. So instead of uncertain riches, we're to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let me ask you this, and we be honest. How many of you, when you were growing up, thought that God did not want you to have fun? Is there anybody? Yeah, right? I'm seriously, right? You're like, I'm laughing in church. Am I going to die? 
Like, is that the most twisted and weird thing? Like, but it's like, that's kind of like the idea. It's like, uh oh, I'm having fun. What's, what's going to happen next? Do you think he created fun? Like, he's the one that made it to be. So he wants us to enjoy what he's given us. I, and I think that that can be worship. If we're not worshiping it, it can be a life of worship where you go, God, thank you. This is the idea of feasting, right? Where we get together, we get around, and we feast. We enjoy what God has given us. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you've blessed us. So enjoy that. But if all we're doing is feasting, there's going to be problems, right? And if all we're doing is feasting and, and we see our neighbors who can't eat at all, that's a problem, okay? So enjoy what the Lord has given you. Trust in him and enjoy what he has richly blessed you with. Here, here's, here's also what they're to do. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. Do good that you may be rich in good works. You want to know something that's even more amazing than being rich monetarily or with possessions? Is rich in good works. That you would be someone that's so affluent in, in your lifestyle. That it's lavish in the way you treat people. We know people like this. Hopefully we are people like this. Right? So let them do good that they may be rich in good works. Ready to give, willing to share. Especially if you've been given, be ready to give, willing to share. This is a stewardship issue. This is not socialism. Okay? This is saying what's mine is yours, not what's yours is mine. Okay? There's a difference. It's like, and it's not necessarily for everybody. We have to use, um, we have to use discernment, but a lot of times we are way too tight in how we can help and bless people around us. And a lot of that has to do with the way we see investments, right? Because investing is the opposite of uh, like an impulse buy, so to speak, right? Investing is a thought-through plan uh, that takes discipline and will pay off in the long run. That's the idea of good investing, smart investing. I sure you can, it could pay off quickly, but a lot of it's, you guys, have, we have multiple financial planners here and you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I see this in, in so many ways. Investing is about being disciplined. Uh, it's deferring pleasure now for the future, Right? going to let this go for the future. So that, that's, that's the planning. That's the, the deferring is investing in something that you know will pay bigger dividends in the long run if you stay the course, right? More or less. We know that this is, it's not just, here's how I know it works, because it's not just financial. It's everything, right? I want to be fit. So you know what I'm going to do? P90X for the next month. Can I make a guess? You will do it for one day. You will be insanely sore the next day. You will try to do it a couple days later and still be too sore. You will sell the PDX DVD at the next yard sale. You will then buy the South Beach uh, diet one, you know, whatever. You will have a Bowflex. You will have 
the Suzanne Summers Thigh Master. See, that's a throwback. You guys remember that one? Okay. It's going to be something. And then you're going to do the ultimate deal. You're going to join CrossFit. And you're going to get a new last name. And, and you're going to sign your will to CrossFit. And you will now be part of the, I'm just joking, CrossFitters. But you guys are kind of like a cult. <laughs> just kidding. It works. Troy, I know you did CrossFit. Um, <laughs> long time ago. Okay, make it. <laughs> All right. So uh, if, if we know this, though, that, that constant, and we've talked about this, when we invest a little bit every day, things get better. If you, you know, one of the things they say is, if you can move 20 minutes a day, it'll make a big effect on the rest of your life. 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. I could do that. What do you like to do? I'll play basketball. Okay, 20 minutes a day. That'll actually add up a lot more than burning yourself beyond what you can handle and being like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a marathon. Oh, cool. What's your plan? I'm going to run it today. You're like, RIP to your toenails, RIP to you making it six miles, and RIP to everyone in your family for you being, you're going to be a baby for a long time after this. I can pretty much guarantee it. But you got a plan. You invest. So this is the idea. What is Paul trying to tell him to invest in, be willing to give, be willing to share. Verse 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. What do I want you to invest in? Kingdom, eternity. Here's the thing. Everything you invest in now, there's, some investments are better than other investments, right? We say a brand new car, is that a good investment? No, right? No, it actually was in the last couple of years, which is weird. You can buy a new car for 30000 You could buy the same used car for 35000 This is where we're at, okay? This is the, the world is nuts. But generally speaking, what would they say? When you drive a car off the lot, it would like lose $10,000 in depreciation basically right away, right? I was told, and, and I would try to do this. You buy a car that's like four years old, like 60,000 miles on it or something, and it's like pretty much half the price of what you'd buy a new one for, and it's still kind of like a new car. You thank me later, okay, for that, that piece of advice. I think I got it from uh, someone who actually knew what they were talking about, but it worked. I did that with Tori's car, and we're still driving it. It's awesome. Um, and so there, there, there's that part. So we go, that's not that good of an investment. You go, property. Uh, houses, yeah, those would be better investments. But here's the thing. All earthly investments, if it can be built, if it can be taken apart, if it, if it was here one day, not, these are all temporal, temporary investments. The only investments that we would look at and say that will last eternally is people in this room. Us. People. That is eternal investments. These are the only things. So that when we're looking at making, we have to have eternal kingdom mindset where it's based on thinking long term. The only thing that's really going to matter when all this is said and done is you guys. It's us. It's your neighbors. It's your family members. These are the people they're, they're, that are souls that live on. 
So that's the investing he's saying to do. If your mind is caught on the things of the world, you're not going to be able to see earthly, the, the heavenly things that God is putting right in front of you. It's, it's, it's amazing when, I, I, it's actually happened a couple times recently where I'm just going about my business and we're doing, it's usually you're doing something that, you know, you, you're like, didn't expect to be doing that day or whatever. And then all of a sudden somebody starts talking to you and you recognize, oh, this is about the Lord. You just came up, happened yesterday, right? Tori and I were doing something, we we're helping out, we we're helping out uh, with something and, and we ended up uh, somewhere, I ended up talking to the guy and I'm making small talk and, and uh, you know, whatever and we start chatting and, and um, his job, he was a bereavement counselor. So he'd help people who are losing someone or have lost someone. And I said, well, you know, that's kind of like, I do that too, and he's like, really, what do you do? And he's like thinking, do you not have the same job as me? And I'm like, no, I'm actually a pastor. And he's like, wow, okay. He's like, thanks for doing that. I was like, thank you for doing that. You know, f- high five, everyone. Uh, but he, so he started telling me, he's like, how did, you, uh, how did you become a Christian? So we started talking and he had this, his mom was a Christian. And he's kind of like, he's still like into it somewhat. And I ended up having a really good conversation with him. We had a bunch of like, um, he was from Orange County, close to where we lived. We had all these connections. And I just was like, well, that's why we were here today. Just wild, right? Because you're so set on the temporal things. We had like these ideas, okay, today we're going to go and we're going to have uh, our, go do a family liner. We love liner, right? Because it's two meals in one. It makes it make more sense when it's expensive, you go with this. When you cut it in half, this is a very reasonable meal. It's basically Chipotle or less. It's like in and out. But it's two meals in one. Uh, and, and there's a, but there's a time slot. It's like 3 to 4.30 is dinner. You got, that's like it. You know, maybe 3. To, I don't know. It's pretty close in there. 2.30 to 4. Anyway. So we ended up like thinking, oh, okay, we're going to do that today. Whatever. We still ended up getting to do that. Uh, but, but when your eyes are so fixed on just temporary, earthly things, you miss out on opportunities for eternal things, souls. And when we recognize God has put us in the position we're in with the abilities we have, right? And it could be with, with all the assets we have, which can be financial, which can be physical, which can be mental, whatever it is you've been given, you are required to be a good steward of that and use it to the utmost for God's glory. It's for eternal things, not for temporal things. So when he's talking to these people who are rich in this world and are only caring about being rich in this world, he's like, guys, no, 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 no. I want you to enjoy it, so I don't want you to have a weird thing with it where you have, like, uh, where you're scared of it. It's not a bad thing, but if, if you don't steward it, it will steward you. It will tell you where to go and what to do. And so we have to take everything we've been given, all of our, think about the parable of the talents, and we've got to use them and invest them wisely. Because God's going to say, well, I gave you that. What did you do with that? You go, oh, I stored up. He's like, well, how about you store up 
in heaven. Share. Give. It sets up a culture, community of generosity. And a community of generosity is something lacking in the world today, right? And if we see that, we, when we're generous with our time, we're generous with our abilities, we're generous with, with what we've been given, the riches, the finances. By the way, there is nothing more fun than doing that. That's the biggest lie is to think that, that no, you just got to hold, you got to hold, you got to hold. And it, it's kind of crazy. It kind of seems like when you are generous, God like is so ready to bless you. <laughs> I saw that. Oh, I've been waiting to give you this. Yeah, okay, yes. Good. I saw that. You were generous with your time. You're generous with your riches. You're generous with your, with your life. Care about people. Pretty wild. So, storing up for themselves a good foundation, that would be like a good investment. A foundation being laid for eternal life. Is that wild? That we set up a foundation for eternal life. You know, so when it's talking about the whole store up for yourself treasures in, on heaven, not on earth, that's like a real thing. What does that look like? We talked about it a week ago or a couple weeks ago. I don't know, but it's worth paying attention to. And so there's going to be people on this earth that are going to be greatly rewarded in however it looks, riches in heaven, crowns blessing, honor, because of the lives we lived here on earth. And so you go, well, okay, well, I guess I'll just do it for that. But that's like, uh, it's not, see, the crazy thing is, the more you do it and live for heaven, the more you get earth, the more you get this place, the more life makes sense, the less closed off and scared and freaked out you are about everything. God made us to be in this and to look different than everything else around us, to trust God, to be generous, to be stewards of what he's given us to do. And I'm not saying this is like, we're not going to pull out like a thermometer and say, here's where we're raising by next, you know, whatever. It's nothing like that. God has been so good and blessed so much. This is for you and for me. We want to be part of this because if our hearts are not on this, then we miss it. Right? We, we're, we're, we are the ones missing out. And that's something you kind of got to come to the conclusion of. My parents had to talk me in to playing baseball the first year. Five years old, I'm not doing it. I hate baseball. I want nothing to do with it. They talked me into it. I'm sure there were some tears. There was, I remember a late night conversation outside. My neighbor's like, just do it. It's fun. I'm like, no. So stubborn. Of course, my children are also stubborn because of their mom. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, it's me. It's not her. But I, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, no, no. It's like, man, you know how much I would have missed out if I didn't wrap my mind around what was really going on to try it? No one has to ask me to play anymore. Usually, they have to ask me not to play. Can you be done, please? kids are all begging me. We did a scrimmage at Cannon's game. They're like, stop throwing curveballs like that. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm back in my prime. <laughs> Shutting you 11-year-olds down. Fastball up and in. Absolutely chin music. 
Don't stand on the plate. Okay, never mind. I'm kidding. It's not that bad. I, and I wasn't throwing hard. So storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Okay, and then Paul's really closing here. He says, oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. You know what that means? It's going to take, it's gonna take some, some vigilance to guard what God is doing and telling us. And what is he telling him? Avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. All this chatter. And, and boy, the noise is so loud. I always have to think about the things that the church are most concerned with generally all over the place. How much of them are tied into what Jesus talked about and promoted? We've got to be careful, right? Because then we go, some of this stuff is taking on a life of its own. I don't like that. I don't think God is into that because I'm pretty sure Jesus knew what he was talking about the first time. So we got to be careful because we are prone to listening to profane, idle babblings, words about nothing. Stuff that, you can, that can catch your ear, but it's not really worth it. It's like shock radio, you know? Like, this is nothing, but it's a way of sucking you in, right? And, and I think social media is totally that. There's algorithms made to keep you there. Have you ever done that where you're like, well, how did you know I wanted to see that? How did you know I wanted to see that? How did you know I wanted? I didn't even know I wanted to see that. I didn't even know that existed. Idle babblings and contradictions. There's the other thing, contradictions. We always got to be thinking, what are we living lives in honesty, transparency, or lives of contradictions and hypocrisy? Look around. Think about it, Timothy. Guard. So guard means constantly taking another watch, right? That's the idea of guarding. At night, you go around. I go around, and we don't have, we have like one door. We have a garage door, and we have a front door, and that's it. And they got the one window downstairs. Not much. Not much of a perimeter chart I have to do. But I got to make sure the door's locked. Okay, door's locked. Okay, the garage is shut. Okay, the window's shut. Kids are in bed. We're good. One, two, three, four, five. Five of us and a bearded dragon. We're set. That's our, that's our family. We're good. You know, but that, that guard is constantly taking into account, God, this is, the, this is the thing. And I think this is our prayer over and over again. Search me and know me. And we see if there's anything in, that's not pure in me. Show me these things. And then we bring it before the Lord in confession. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I've sinned or I've been sinned against. And both of these things have the ability to capture my mind when it belongs to you, to capture my heart when it belongs to you. So we're constantly guarding these things. Oh, something's dinging. So against what was, and it's falsely, what's falsely called knowledge. Isn't that interesting? They were dealing with it back then. What's falsely called knowledge. You're so, you're so smart that you don't make any sense. You know, everybody's buying into it, but it doesn't mean it's true. And, and there's actually a full-on, there's a war on critical thinking. No, we don't think like that anymore. No, there isn't absolutes because 
you know, being absolute, it means you're living like this and you can't do that because that's going to hurt someone somewhere, somehow. But we can't fall into that. We've got to think for ourselves while being salt and light in the middle of it. Being a Christian is very hard in the culture we live in, but it's way less hard than not. Right? G.K. Chesterton had a, had a quote, famous quote. I don't, like I said, I lost my notes. So if I, excuse me, if I, I'm not trying to butcher it. It's close. It'll be close. He said, Christianity is not so much those that have found, have tried and, or that have tried and found it wanting. It's those that uh, have never really tried it at all. Therefore, I've never experienced it. The real Christian life takes hard work and diligence. It, it means putting Jesus on the throne in everything that we're doing. And, and, and if we don't do that, we're going to have a life that's divided, that's contradictory. And we're going to find that it just constantly leads to problems. God's gracious. He lets us make these choices. And we all have those things. But he's asking, hey, come in, come in, be part of this. Right? He says that these people have been caught up in this by professing it, who have, they've, they have strayed concerning the faith. They've missed the point. And as soon as you miss the point, you're going to stray. Right? That's why landmarks are so important. You need landmarks. Without landmarks, we will wander. It's amazing to see uh, what, what happens if you take someone and you put them in the middle of the woods and you say, okay, you've, you just got to go this direction and you'll get out. If they don't have a compass, which is a landmark that gives trajectory, or there's no natural landmarks that they can see, we will wander in circles. You just will. And you go, no, I won't. Because I'll know I'm going in a circle. But no, that's not true. Because the circle's big, and it's not a perfect circle, but like that tree kind of got in your way, and you went this way, and you thought, oh, I think I'm going too far this way, so you go back this way. Before you know it, you're not anywhere near where you thought you were going to go. How do we know this? Think about the game, pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah, I know where that's going to go, and then you, you're like, I got this. Close your eyes, and then you put it in, and you're like, it's there. I nailed it. You find out you're on another wall, and there's no donkey there. What did I do? This is, this is it. Or, or try to draw without your eyes open, like a smiley face. You're like, I've never seen an eye off someone's cheek before, but because we lose our bearing very easily. So as soon as we stray, everything else, so you stray a little bit, everything else falls in line. But the way to correct that is by keeping the landmark. We are looking to Jesus, and we're looking for our investing to be kingdom. That's a long investment. Big, big picture. And if we get that part right, everything else makes sense. Right? Everything else will align. Otherwise, we're going to be going, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. And we're going to find yourself slowly but surely off track. So he says, those who have, have professed this, they've strayed concerning the faith. And their lives reflect it, right? And by the way, guys, it is so easy to stray. It is so easy to get off. And the devil's tactics are um, 
they are made for you. They're specifically made for you. Like the demonic realm is intelligent. Do you think that, that the world, the, our, our scientific, analytic, uh, al- the algorithms, do you think those are smarter than the, than the demonic forces in the world? Absolutely not. And so they're tailor-made just for you to get you astray just a little bit. Because if I can get you an inch off at a mile, if you go 10,000 miles, you're going to be miles off. So we've got to constantly keep guard. We've got to constantly check the doors in our life. We've got to constantly going, be going back like Timothy to good doctrine, to theology, to knowing what we believe and why and go, hey, there's a thing in me that it kind of wants to change that. Why do I want to change that and how do I kill it? That is not of the Lord. I am I'm going my own way. I'm doing the Eve thing where I decide, mm, you know what, actually I do want that fruit. Same tactic just in, in, in very specific, custom-made ways. We have communion this morning. It's the first, first Sunday of the month, and uh, I think it's a great time as we're closing out the book. It's a good time to go back and reflect wherever we're at, to come before the Lord and to, and to again confess and repent and say, search me, Lord, know me. And, and then when you find sin, 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. But we've got to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. Here's the stuff I don't want to talk about to myself, let alone you, and really let alone anybody else. But say, hey, God, here's me, all of me. Here's all the dirt I need to be forgiven again. Because you promise that you're faithful and just to forgive. And then let that, that the th- whatever's stirring that thing up in your mind, continue that work in your mind and to go, do I really want to do this anymore? Or, or enjoy the act of repentance where we walk away and say, no longer, I, I don't want this to be part of my life anymore. I, I don't just see it as, oh, I got my wrist slapped, so I got to be good for three months. But like, no, I am sick of drinking poison. I'm sick of, of uh, allowing toxic waste in my, in my house. I'm done with saying things I don't mean and, 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 and being full of it around everybody. Lay it all down before him. He created you to be authentic, to be real, and to be made whole in Jesus. And as he does that, we're changed. Guys, listen, no one here, no one here has it nailed. We are all sinners. We are all uh, desperately in need of God's grace. But he wants us to get up from that point, recognizing we're always going to need his grace, but to grow in righteousness. And how do we do that? Through repentance and through applying what he's told us to, to apply and experiencing new life in that. And reckoning, here's the other part, reckoning that our, our, our old man, the, the thing that was completely stuck and enslaved and chained to sin is no longer there. We now make decisions to do that. 
And we don't have to do that anymore. So bring those things before us where we decided we still believe we're stuck and all that. And, and just be honest before the Lord as we worship, as we take communion. The bread represents the body of Jesus. It was beaten, right? It was scourged. It was thrown up on the cross for us, right? So that we didn't have to be. And then the blood of Jesus, the atonement. The atonement was always in the blood. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament, right? All the sacrifice, or many of the sacrifices, it's like with sin, it had to deal with their blood had to be shed. Jesus was that perfect lamb the, that, that was our sacrifice, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Which sins? Those in the past, those today. Where are we at? Because we could go, I, I could kind of do this and act like I'm doing it. I remember showing up at church and I didn't really know what to do and people were raising their hands. I'm like, is that what we do? And you see people pray and you're like, is that what we do? Especially if you're around a Pentecostal church and they're speaking in tongues. Shubadaku, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, is that too much? But I don't know. But I believe in that. I'm just saying, you know, I, I didn't, I don't have it. With not being fake, not being, but being the real thing. God, here's where I'm really at. Here's the real situation. And you promise that's what you work with. And the Bible seems to say that every time. So let's get rid of all the false other stuff. And let's just enjoy wholeness in him. Confess and be free. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to then what? Cleanse us from unrighteousness so that then we can walk in righteousness. So whatever dirt you got, he's got a better cleaner. He's got the magic eraser but he wants you to, to, to then walk away from the dirt. We don't have to be here anymore. 